Hi, I'm Ted. Before we jump into this episode of the Intersection of Faith and Culture podcast, I wanted to let you know that something that you're going to hear me say is not accurate. I was reading a false report about Brianna Taylor, the lady who lost her life in Louisville, Kentucky. Miss Taylor was not a drug dealer. In fact, she was an EMT that served her community very well and had a servant's heart. I apologize for what you're going to hear me say and the mistake that I made. It's another lesson at how I need to be very slow in copying, sharing content that I see on social media and elsewhere without fact-checking and making sure that it's accurate. I want to make sure that as we're talking about racism and how to end this cancer that's in our nation, that we are always clear, open, and honest, and ready to admit our mistakes. Thank you. Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and Culture, a PCM podcast where we talk about how to maneuver through today's hot topics while maintaining a grasp on our testimony and relationship with God. Hi, I'm Ted, and welcome to a special edition of the Intersection of Faith and Culture. As we're recording this, our country is embattled in a racial turmoil, tension, crisis, whatever you want to call it. Do you know what's really needed? A conversation. If everyone could just sit down and talk and listen. Well, that's what I've done right here with my friend Noah, a black guy. I'm a white guy. And this intersection of faith and culture, the two of us are talking about racism and the current situation. Noah, with everything that's going on in this country right now, there is a big racial divide that's going on. And I like to think of myself as being an open-minded, don't-see-color type person, um, but then there's people who say, oh, yeah, right, Ted, sure you do, you know, that type thing. For you, growing up, and where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Nashville, just okay. outside of Nashville in a, a little town called Antioch, Tennessee. Yeah. How was it for you there? I mean, being was was it predominantly black, white, good mix, what? Yeah, so it was actually a predominantly um, black and Hispanic area. Oh, wow. Um, my parents moved there. My dad's the pastor of a church there. Um, okay. And so my dad is um, is white. I was adopted. And so they moved there um, because they wanted to be a part of a more diverse community. Cool. And so that's where they put their church. Um, so that's where we grew up. It was, it was definitely more diverse. Yeah. Yeah. See, I grew up in Fern Creek, Kentucky, a, a <laughs> suburb of Louisville. And uh, um, in my high school, I mean, again, and, and I hate to say this because even though it sounds good, but I mean, some of my best friends I grew up were black and Asian and Hispanic and things. And for me, it just wasn't a big deal. My parents didn't teach me to see color. Right. You know, now I know that there are people that are they're in my family that did. And uh, um, some of them lived here in the South. And it was it was a total. They were wrong. They were flat out wrong. What's your take being being a black guy here in Chattanooga? What, what's your take? Do you see us as being, this area as being a racially charged, dysfunctional area or what? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think it, it, it can be. Um, I think this is a great area. I've, I've loved it here. My wife and I have made it um, our home. But mm-hmm. I do think there are issues here. Yeah. Um, like there are lots of places. I think that's, that's part of the world that we live in. And, you know, part of our sin nature is that we are a fallen people. And, yeah. and, and I think racism is a part of that. So I think that impacts, you know, everything that we do and where we live and, and race falls under that. I do think this is an area um, that's impacted by that, as, as are several, you know, lots of areas across the country. And people tend to heavily say more particularly in the South. I don't know right. if that holds true or not. But 
I think that this area does have a good amount of diversity. Um, but it, but I think it's important in this community. Um, we need to be more involved in this community, I think, as, as Christians. That's something that I feel passionately about. Um, I go to a church that's fairly diverse um, here in town. And one thing that they make a point to say um, is talking about getting out and being in the community. You mm-hmm. know, they are a church. They do have plenty of, of missionaries that they support that go sure. overseas, but they also place an emphasis here in our own city. And I think that's where really all of this starts. I think that's where racial tension starts is, I mean, if you're not interacting with people of other races, it's a lot easier for there to be tension. Whereas if you're interacting with people who are black, white, Hispanic, whatever they may be, it's certainly much easier um, to see those as people and as God's creation. Um, And that kind of dissolves some of that tension there just naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's where I fall kind of. My opinion is, you know, I think of Ricky, I think of Tony. These these are friends of mine from high school, you know, that uh, they're my best friends. Uh, I, w- I would think just the same as I would think of, of Jeff or any of the other guys that, you know, and so for me to see this, I don't understand it. I don't understand all of the unrest, you know. Um, I see things, pardon the, the expression, but I don't mean this black and white. It's it's right or wrong. It's, it's you know, the, 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 young, the gentleman that got killed in Minneapolis because the police officer has knee on his neck. That police officer was wrong. This is Ted speaking. He was wrong and needs to be pers- prosecuted. That That's murder is what he did. But yet to see all of the, 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 the eruption because of that and all of the different cities in Atlanta and Nashville and Louisville, my hometown, all of that, help me understand that. Why do you think that's so such a powder keg, I guess? Yeah, I think... You know, it's something I've been trying to wrap my head around because that's not something... Um, that I necessarily feel called to, but I do understand the pain and the anguish that comes from years and years of systemic oppression sure. that brings about um, this feeling that maybe nothing is ever going to get better, and the only way to impact change is you know, start some of the things that we've seen going on in different places mm-hmm. across the country. So I think it's almost a hopelessness um, and a a going against the system because they um, people almost feel like, you know, the system is against us. And so we're not sure how we can incite about any change. So this is something that we can do, that we can make an impact. So this is something we're going to go do. And, and there's this pent up anger yeah. and aggression. Um, and, you know, with everything that's going on in, in this first half of 2020, I don't think that helps at all. I think tensions are already high. Um, and it kind of leads to, I think, what we've been seeing. You know, I, we were talking earlier in our staff meeting yesterday about uh, um, somebody was mentioning back in the 60s. And again, I was young when I was in the 60s. I was bused one year and uh, went to an inner city school uh, from a white suburban area that I was you know, normally brought, brought up in. And uh, But to me, it was just a long bus ride is what it was. And I didn't understand all the people picketing and back and forth and, and throwing rocks at buses and all of that when I was growing up. Are we seeing it get less and less or worse and worse? Um, you know, that's, that is an interesting, interesting question yeah. that I've debated. It's really tough to say with I, – I would like to say less and less, but I think social media – um, and, and, and media in general yeah. makes things, um, we see more things that we wouldn't have had 
um, the ability to see. You know, nowadays everyone has a camera on their phone. Everyone can can video something. Have you seen all the protests? That's what yeah. mostly I've noticed that too. One day I was looking, it's like everybody has their phone. Everybody right. has their phones up. Every single person, you know. I've watched a couple videos, and it's interesting that in the video, you look in the background, everybody in the background is videoing as well. Yeah. So I think we're seeing more, um, more things come up, good and bad, that we didn't see previously. And so I think that's part of it is, you know, I've had some people, and I've talked with some friends who say things are, are getting worse. I don't think things are getting worse. I, I fall more under kind of a, a quote that I've seen thrown around out there that things aren't getting worse, they're getting filmed. Yeah, um, good point. And then we're seeing that through social media and the media and other outlets that we have available to us now because of technology. Noah, for the average black guy, black woman in town, have you ever felt racially prejudiced against? Have you felt discriminated against growing up? I have. Um, you know, growing up was interesting. Like I briefly mentioned earlier, I was raised um, by white parents. My yeah. My siblings and I are um, all black, and my parents are white. So we grew up in a white church, um, and we were homeschooled. Very, very white demographic. Oh, that's a whole other discrimination. Yeah. They're homeschool kids. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Um, and so we didn't grow up around a whole lot of people um, that were diverse until we got to middle school and high school. And so that was the first time I really noticed um, and heard people talk about a difference in discrimination. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something I really experienced until I moved away from home um, and actually got here to Chattanooga and went to college at Covenant up on Lookout Mountain. Yeah. And it was something that, yes, I have personally um, experienced discrimination, you know, a few times here, there, and nothing has escalated to the point that it's gotten, you know, really, really bad or really serious. But it is something that, you know, I've been, I've had certain issues come up um with with law enforcement or you know even with yeah. students yeah so have you felt um that that's something that, I, that i've heard some black people talk about before is that when they're out in public or whatever and there's a police officer you know they they suddenly feel the hair on the back of their neck stand up or or you know they're they're a little leery of, of what could happen yeah i think that um that was not the way I was raised, being raised by white parents. That just yeah. wasn't something they ever thought about. And I don't blame them. It's never something they really experienced. Once I experienced it, it became something that I was aware of. Um, but the first time I was aware of that was late high school or early, you know, in my college years. So that is something like you, you just had that fear in the back of your mind, you know, whether it's even though you know 99.9% of, of law enforcement are excellent people serving the community, you have that fear mm -hmm. in the back of your mind that, you know, man, I don't want to be another video or another hashtag on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Would, would this be a safe, a safe um, comparison? If you have ever felt yourself driving through a quote-unquote rough part of town, and we all know what that is, and I'm doing air quotes here, rough part of town, and you felt the need to lock your door, is that the feeling that a lot of black people feel like when they get around a bunch of white cops or, or something like that? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a very similar feeling of just a uncomfortable situation that you don't feel like you have any control of. Wow. Um, whether that is accurate or not, you know, most of the time it's not an issue. But that is kind of the feeling of I don't really have any control of this situation. I feel very uncomfortable. You know, I know what's, what's come of some situations beforehand. And so I think that just kind of contributes to a very similar mentality of, you know, just a very, very 
fearful, uncomfortable nature. Yeah. Does, you know, if we, if we lived in Minneapolis, if we were there in Minneapolis, this may be a whole lot easier for me to grasp. Um, or even in Louisville, there was another, um, black woman that was killed. She was a drug dealer, but still she was killed. Shouldn't have been. It was, it was senseless the way she was killed. It was an accident, but there's still a lot of rioting going on there. And, and I think it's in the name of her and protesting on her and Mr. Floyd. Um, but here in Chattanooga, I mean, we really don't have anybody personally that we that that's happened here, or or do we? At least that I'm aware of. Does do you understand? Does it make sense to you? The protesting from those things happen is happening here, happening in Atlanta, happening in Nashville. I think um, you know that people want to want to impact, um, want to have an impact on this issue. They want mm-hmm. to help enforce some change. Um, and so I think that's what brings about these protests in cities where this hasn't been a, a documented issue yet, is people trying to stand together in unity to speak up and to have a voice um, and maybe maybe to hopefully get some people's attention and change um, mm-hmm. some minds or bring about the awareness. I think that is a part of it is, you know, there's not always the awareness, kind of like you touched on earlier, is, is some people just don't see that or don't grow up with it. And so it's not something they understand. And yeah. I think part of the, the hope is that these people can come together in one collective voice across the country and bring some awareness to this issue. You know, and this is going to, this is, could be very judgmental of me. Um, and watching online, watching, and I'll be honest with you, because of being from Louisville, I've been watching a lot of what's going on in Louisville with the protests and the guys walking by, you know, the, the media people on their Facebook live and, and everything. And, and I'll look at the crowd and again, there's no hate on my part. There's nothing like that. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm praying for them as I'm watching them, but I'm seeing a lot of the people there and I'm like, do they even understand what's going on? Do they even understand what they're protesting? Or are they just tired of being cooped up because of COVID and they're out there doing what, it, you know, and, and does that water down the issue for the real issue? Right. I think that is a, a great point. I think there are a lot of people out there, very well-meaning, who are speaking out and, and peacefully speaking out yeah. against this issue. Unfortunately, and again, this goes back to kind of our, our fallen nature, our sin nature, um, there are people out there taking advantage of a bad situation to further their own agenda, yeah. whatever that may be. And that unfortunately gives a bad name to the people who are peacefully protesting, sure. to the people who are trying to bring about change in a peaceful way and in the way that I think it should be done. Um, that's, you know, well within the law that is, you know, cooperating with law enforcement, not providing a threat to any law enforcement people. You know, we don't want to put any lives in danger. That would be counterproductive. But there are people out there who are taking advantage of this situation and and kind of turning it on on its head to be a situation that all of a sudden they're inciting violence, um, they're rioting, they're looting. And that's not what this is about. That that is completely different and and does kind of water down the message that people are trying to put out there. Because then it gets the rest of the majority of the people saying, well, this issue is nothing but a bunch of criminals, a bunch of thugs out there doing whatever. I mean, even Mr. Floyd's brother, I saw a media, a a news interview with him and the Miss Taylor's family in Louisville, um, you know, their family saying, please don't do that. Don't loot. Don't break down windows. Don't spray paint here or there. Protest 
you know, respectfully and quietly, maybe not quietly, but, you know, within the law. Um, and uh, w- there was one story I saw of, of a black firefighter in Minneapolis. And he, him and his wife had been saving up. He was getting close to retirement from the fire department. And they were opening up a sports bar. And COVID hit. They weren't able to open their sports bar, but they were going to open it this past weekend or the weekend before last. And that's right when all that just it just broke loose. And the, they came in and and uh, um, whoever they are, the the mob, whatever, broke through his, his restaurant, trashed it still, you know, and all that stuff. And even while they were there filming him, they came back. These looters came back to try to steal his safe. You know, this is in daylight right. type thing. I just don't understand that, you know. Yeah. And. And I want to put out that I I definitely sympathize and have um, I understand the pain and the anguish people are going through. I I am hurting. My heart hurts. Yeah. I'm I'm angry. I'm upset. But there what is, is it you're upset about though? Tell me what it is you're upset about, Noah. I'm upset about this this issue, um, this racism that we have that that is a little more systemic than I think people realize. That's the issue specifically I'm upset. You know, watching the, the video of Mr. Floyd, which is an incredibly difficult video yeah. to get through, took me several times to get through. It's hard to watch that and not be upset um, and to not feel some type of anger because I, I think, you know, anyone who watched But is it, it just human on human anger or is it white cop on black guy? You anger? know, that's something I've... I've wrestled with as as a black person I do feel you know white cop on black guy but there's also very much an element we're all God's creation yeah. that is that's a human on human crime exactly that you know whether it was white on white black on black white on black purple on yellow yeah. it doesn't matter that was that was wrong and that's I think at the root of my anger and frustration is where that lies is that that was a human taking another human's life and that's wrong yeah yeah, exactly. And 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 again, the the chief of police there has, you know, they were all fired. But again, uh, that's not enough. Right. You know, because if I if I if you and I were to get into an argument and you could probably you would definitely take me, I think. But if you had your your knee on my neck and you choked me and I died because of that, you would be expected to to face charges. Right. It's the same thing in this situation, regardless if he's wearing a badge or not, I think. And again, I want to make sure we've got some incredibly God-following, God-worshipping police officers, and and here in our city, friends friends of ours that we have, and and uh, Chief Roddy is incredible in what he said. You know, he said at one point that you know he he doesn't want to watch the rest, of, or he's seen it, but he didn't need to watch the rest of the video because what he saw was wrong. Right. And he said that if you're wearing a badge and you don't have an issue with what happened, you need to turn in your badge. You know, and so. Uh, um, so my prayers are with them big time because they're kind of caught in the middle, those type people. Um, hope and encouragement. That's what our ministry is all about here at J103. Noah, how can we offer hope and encouragement to the protesters, to the people who really, not the looters, not the, the people that are taking advantage of this situation to do what you said, but the protesters? How can we offer hope and encouragement to them? Yeah. You know, the, the thing that I've been drawing hope from um, in, in a lot of reading of my Bible that I've been doing is that this isn't something, God is in control. God sees this, God knows what is happening, yeah. and God is in control. There is nothing that goes on under the sun that God does not know about and that he is not king over. 
That applies to this situation. God is still in control. God is with us. God has a heart for the oppressed. The Bible talks about that quite a bit. God sees, you know, our plight that we're going through and he understands. That is where I draw a lot of my encouragement is, you know, we throw this phrase around for a lot of other situations and I think it's applicable to this one in, in the issue of race that, that God is in control. We, we throw that around for other things. You know, if we lose our job or, or whatever it may be, you know, we say God is in control. That same situation, you know, is still present here. He's still sitting on his throne. He is still God overall. And that that's where I get my hope and encouragement from is yeah. that, you know, we as the church, we can do a better job, you know, being the change that we want to see, but that God is in control. And, and one day, He's going to come back and make everything right. And that is something that I think we have to cling to and that we have to hold to as Christians. What about those people, Noah, that, uh, um, that aren't protesting? The people that are just at home, kind of like me, watching online and seeing these things happen. What's the hope and encouragement there? Because it, it can be kind of scary. Yeah, it can. It can definitely be um, you know, scary. I've, I've sat at home most of the weekend and watch that and and my heart breaks and you also sit there and go like you know wow this is really terrifying stuff um i think you know the message is similar that god is in control um i think that's a similar point that i'd like to bring up but i would also say that you know i think things um things pass with time and this is there's a lot of anger out there right now and 2020 has been a rough year for a lot of people with COVID and people sure. losing jobs and, you know, issues of race and all sorts of different things that are going on. I, I think this is almost just a perfect storm type situation where you have a lot of people going out there protesting, rioting, and it's scary to watch and see on TV. I think that one thing that I would say for people at home is there are a lot of people who want change who are doing the same thing that you're doing. Yeah. They're sitting at home, they're praying, you know, they're crying out to God for help. They're trying to ha- start good discussions with people to maybe see what we can do in our own community as far as race is concerned and as far as other issues are concerned. But there are a lot of people who want change who are not out there, you know, demonstrating what you're seeing on TV. And I think that that is important because sometimes I think we can we can feel like it's just one side or the other, one extreme mm-hmm. or the other. But there are a lot of people, I myself, I've been sitting at home, I've been praying, I've been, you know, reading my Bible and, and trying to find some hope and some encouragement here. And I think it's that there are a lot of people who want this change to come about. And it's not just what you see on social media, you know, the rioting and the, the protesting yeah. going on in the street. Okay, so one day you and your wife are going to be parents. Yeah. Okay. And... You're going to have a child, and that child's going to become a teenager and a college student. Would you want them in this current situation to be protesting? Um, you know, part of me wants to say that that's up to them, mm-hmm. um, that that's their choice. I, I certainly think, I don't think protesting is something you should do if you don't feel called to do that i don't think it's something you just join in because i have the night free let's go down there and see what's up right it's not something you do to post some pictures to social media because you have some free time you know the peaceful protesting the protesting that brings about change a lot of that happens from people who truly feel called to that who are going to go sit peacefully 
and have good discussions with people. Um, but, you know, a lot of times for me, like we've seen in this situation, people have used the protest to turn that into, you know, something else, a different agenda, violence, looting, whatever it may be. And so I would probably caution um, them in, as far as protesting goes because of what we've seen these situations turn into. Um, yeah. We've got a lot of innocent people caught in the middle between, you know, looting and, and the rioting and the people who are trying to peacefully protest. And it's very, it's very hard for everyone involved to do their job and what they have to do. And so it's not a situation you want to be caught in the middle of. Um, but I feel like if that's something you feel called to do, if that's something you feel like God is, is asking you to do, then, then go and do that. But do that peacefully. Do that the right way. Do that in a way that honors law enforcement officials yeah. who also have to put their life on the line. Because we don't want to endanger anyone else. Because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, this was a human-on-human -human crime. And when we right. start going out there and doing things that aren't peaceful protesting, we're just responding to human-on-human -human crime with other human-on-human -human crime. And that doesn't fix anything in our society. I posted the other day on uh, Instagram or Facebook or one of those social media sites that I barely know anything about. Um, <laughs> and I, I said, as long as there are they and y'all, there will always be racism. Right. As long as there's always a they and a y'all, it's always going to be that way. You touched on something a second there. How do, and we left this out of the equation. How do we provide hope and encouragement for those police officers, for the National Guardsmen, for the state troopers and those people that are called in to try to maintain law and order and peaceful protest, protesting? Right. They're there. Part of their job is to make sure that those people's rights are being applied so they can protest, right. which is our right. Yeah, I— you know, the hope and encouragement for them is is we're praying for you. I'm praying for you. Um, there are a lot of us at home praying for you, praying for your safety. Um, you know, we really appreciate the job that you do. It is a very difficult job. There's not a lot of people that can do that job. Yeah. Um, we are praying for you. We want you to make it home to your family safely. Um, and, and we appreciate you upholding the rights of peaceful protesters. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I know several police officers. I'm good friends with several police officers. And I know this is a tough time for them because they became a police officer because they wanted to serve their community. Um, and, and a lot of us see that and we know that. And, and their hearts are hurting as well right now. And so I think, you know, this is something to put ourselves in their shoes a little bit. They're hurting as well. And they are they joined to make a difference as well. So the hope and encouragement for them is that there's a lot of us sitting at home, um, praying for you guys, praying for you as you're putting your lives on the line, as you're out there keeping our community safe. And we really appreciate the work that you do. And we see that. And I know sometimes that maybe doesn't get said enough mm -hmm. um, because it very much becomes a either you're very pro-law enforcement or you're anti-law enforcement. And I don't think I don't think that's the way it should be viewed. Yeah. And we're praying for their families, too, because yes. I can't imagine, you know, my dad or, or mom or brother or whatever. Well, I have a brother who's in the National Guard in Louisville. He hadn't been called up yet. But um, but, you know, the thought that they're going out there and to already know it's a a charged, you know, environment and things. And all it would take would be for one person to lose their mind and do something wrong. And boom, you've got more violence is breaking out there. All right, final question that I can think of, Noah, and, and I've tried to sit there and think, how would I do this? How would I handle it? If you or I were asked to step in the middle of this, to meet with the people that, whoever the people are that need to, 
what's the end of this? How does this end? Yeah, I think, I don't think there is a, and I've told a lot of people this, I don't think there's a quick fix to this. Um, I think that this is an issue that, that goes back a ways, and this is an issue that for a lot of people we don't even know um, that we have. Some types of, of prejudice and racism are not as overt as kind of, you know, we paint. It's not as black or white. So there's not a quick fix. But the hope and the, the end of this is I do think that there's a lot of attention in our country right now focused on this issue, on the issue of race, on the issue of injustice. I think we have people's attention right now. How do we come together as believers, how do we come together as a country, united, and and be the change that we want to see in our country? I think a lot of people are paying attention to this issue now. For you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on and a lot of stuff in the media, but good or bad, a lot of people are focused on this issue right now, and it's what we're thinking about. It's top of mind. We have people's attention right now, so let's. While we have that, let's have those discussions, those difficult discussions that we may not want to have or may make us uncomfortable that can help us bring about change for, for our families and for the generations that come after us. Yeah. I saw, I think it was, maybe it was Flint, Michigan. I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad about remembering these, but there was a sheriff and uh, they were talking about him. And I think something to the fact of, he asked them, well, what is it that we need? And they said something, well, why don't you just join us? And he said, all right, in the name of peace, and he did. Right. Locked arm with him and walked on down the street with him there, you know, with the with the protesters and that type thing. And that's, you know, that's both sides coming together to have a conversation, to have a dialogue. Noah, do you think, I mean, I think of a lot of, and it, racism makes me sick. Right. It just really does. Being a white guy, and, and when I meet people that are racially discriminatory, it's just, it's just I'm like, why do you think you're better than anybody else just because there's a few more pigmentations or less in your skin than what they, you know, I just, I just, I'm appalled at that. But there's some people that as they get older, I mean, they're, they're never going to change and that's just the way it's going to be. And so you just have to hopefully pray that they don't get around the wrong people and that in time God takes them home or whatever. Is it that, is it that way on the other side of the coin too? Are there some people that feel so from from the history and from the past and, and from being discriminated against for so long in person? Do you think they're never going to be able to accept, you know, to, to feel the grace, to feel whatever, to be able to forgive um, people of other, other races? You know, I, I would hope that that's not the case and my prayers that that's not the case. But I do think, um, I do think, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who would have a hard time moving past um, things that have happened. You know, it's, I understand it. It's personally, that's not where I am. Um, mm-hmm. But I do understand that there are a lot of people who, who have lived a lot longer than me and lived through a lot of things that I have not yeah. that would have a hard time at this point looking back and, and getting over all of the things they've been subject to. And that's not something that I can personally speak to, just not having lived that long and had those experiences. And I hope and pray that those people would be willing to embrace some change and to forgive. I think that's what we're called to as Christians to do is to forgive. But realistically, I think that it's possible that some people just may not be able to move past that. Yeah. We know one day when Jesus comes and believe it or not, Jesus is not white. 
Jesus is not black, <laughs> you know. And uh, when Jesus comes back, you know, we will experience that, that unity maybe. And I hope it's before then that we experience that. But right. uh, for the sake of my kids and my grandkids and kids to come and yours. Um, you know, Jamaica, uh, I, I go to mission trips in Jamaica. And their theme, their motto for their, their country is out of many, one nation. And they're so culturally, culturally diverse in Jamaica, but yet, and, and I'm sure, I, you know, again, I'm only there for 10 days at right. a time, so I don't, I don't live there. But again, while I'm there, I don't seem to feel any racism or anything like that. And I wish we could here in the United States. I yeah. wish we could get to that point. I, I agree. I, I wish that, you know, we could all see each other as people. We could all see each other as God's creation and that we could, we could come together to be the change that we want to see. Um, I think if, if more people lived the way that, that Jesus lived and the example that he set for us, yeah. um, things would look vastly different in our country. And so I think now is an opportunity, while, like I said, our attention is on this topic right now, now is an opportunity for us to come together and for us to be collectively the hands and feet of Jesus to our community, to each other. And if we do that, if we did that in all of our communities, you know, not just in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but you know, across this country, we would see a lot more change. Yeah. You and I can't control what the older white people, the older black people, the Hispanic people or, or Asian people, what they think or what they feel or how they change. But we can we can have an impact on our families. Right. And we can have an impact on our own personal lives and those things as well. Noah, thanks for this discussion. I, I uh, um, you know, again, I, I don't understand everything. And I'm sure you would say the same thing. You right. don't understand it all either. Um, but the fact that we can come together and we can talk and as brothers in Christ, we can do that. And and if 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 we could do that, if we could do two things, love God, love people. That, that's the bottom line right, right there. And if we could come and agree to disagree when we need to and, and that type of stuff, that's okay. Um, but uh, anyway, anything else that you can think of you want to add to this discussion or anything like that? That, uh, that I, don't, I don't think so. I, I just appreciate you having me on and, and taking some time yeah. to hear, hear my heart on this issue and to have this dialogue because I think that's really important. And like you said, um, you know, the two important things that I, w- I would take out of this are to love people and love Jesus. And that's that's yeah. what we can do going forward. Pray for us, Noah. Pray for this whole situation and us and that God would give us wisdom and, and just the, the knowledge we need to be able to, to yeah. continue working through this. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, I, uh, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come speak with Ted this morning. I, uh, I pray that you would be with us um, mm-hmm. as a community, as a country. During this time where, where we feel divided, I pray that you would bring us together, and I pray that, that we as Christians, we as believers, would be the hands and feet of Jesus in this time, God. Um, give us the words to say. Give us your words, um, and give us your heart for people that you had. Um, help us to have grace as we interact in different situations with different people from different backgrounds, um, and help us to just take your heart with us as we go forward in this situation. Um, I pray that as we go forward, we would be able to to impact our families, our community, um, through people seeing your love through us. Yeah. In Christ's name, amen. Lord, I thank you for Noah, and I thank you for our friendship, and I thank you, God, that uh, um, just for the, the unity that we have in you. 
And Lord, I pray that that unity would spread like wildfire to everyone involved, that God, you would put protection over those that are, that are peacefully protesting, those who are defending their right to protest, our, our law enforcement officials and, and our, our government officials. Lord, I pray for those innocent people that live in those areas where the protests are happening and occurring in their businesses. God, I just pray for a sense of protection and peace over that. God, whatever it is that you want to teach us through all this, whatever change you want to bring about, God, I pray that we'll all be open and, and willing to accept that and to move forward. God, I thank you that you love each and every one of us the same. You love us, Father. You love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, all of us. And God, I just pray that you would continue to protect us, heal our land. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Intersection of Faith and Culture, a PCM podcast.